From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, where we discuss issues involving your children as they're growing up. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Sleep is one of the most important aspects of our health, and most of us do not get enough of it. And when your children and teens are growing up, there are different hurdles to a good night's sleep. So today we're going to be discussing those as well as safe sleep. We have Dr. Thomas Skelton on with us. He is also a MedPeds physician at UMMC, and he's going to help us with those discussions today. We'd love to hear from you, so share your comments and questions with us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Sleep is one of the most important aspects of our health, and most of us don't get enough of it. And when your children and teens are growing up, there are many different hurdles that can prevent them from getting a good night's sleep. So today we're going to be discussing those as well as safe sleep. We have Dr. Thomas Skelton on with us. He is a MedPeds physician as well at UMMC, and he's going to help us with those discussions. We'd love to hear from you, so share your comments and questions with us this morning. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. So welcome, Dr. Skelton. Thank you so much for coming on with us today. Good morning and welcome. So he, um, he and I are in clinic together during the week, and sleep is always one of the biggest questions we get, both for our kids and adults, I feel like. We get, we get questions um, mostly from babies and how to get them to sleep. But in our older patients, too, we get questions about how can I sleep better at night. So sleep is very common. Um, sleep problems, excuse me, are very common. Um, I suffer as well. I'm a terrible <laughs> sleeper, always have been. Um, I cannot sleep. So it is a very common problem out there. So if you're suffering from it, you are not alone. We'd love to hear some of your stories, uh, maybe some different things that you have found that are helpful for you to help you fall asleep and stay asleep. Um, so sleep is super important. So speaking of that, we know that uh, lack of sleep or poor sleep is associated with obesity. We see that a lot um, with our kids. We know that there is a direct correlation with our kids that don't get a good enough sleep. And obesity, unfortunately, as we've talked about many times, is becoming a huge problem in our pediatric population. Um, high blood pressure is also another thing. If you're not getting a good night's sleep, a good rest, it can affect your blood pressure. Uh, your mood. So people that suffer from depression, unfortunately, and anxiety already have problems with sleep, a lot of times secondary to the to the mood disturbances. And that just tends to make things even worse when you're not getting a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about how much sleep should we be getting? Because I feel like that's a big question is how much sleep should I be getting? So what would you tell your patients? Sure. You know, the conventional wisdom is everybody needs eight hours of sleep every night. Well, of course, that changes based on how old you are. 
anybody who's had a little one knows that they sleep all day it seems like just they just wake up to eat sleep go to the bathroom and just be cute most of the time uh your little ones should be actually be sleeping most of the day not in one big chunk but they can sleep sometimes 12 to 16 hours a day as they grow up they sleep a little bit less and they're a little more active during the day usually knocking things over and driving you insane but you know 11 to 14 hours when they're toddlers just starting to walk and as they get toward those preschool years steps back by another hour or so to where they're sleeping you know less than the majority of the day maybe 10 to 13 hours a day and that includes naps and those rare moments where you can get them to sleep in front of the disney channel (laughs) yeah and then as you're so like you said they require a lot of sleep as they're uh first born and infants but as you get older you require less and less sleep so usually once they get to be about that that grade school age so first second third grade may not need as many as they had up until about kindergarten but still need a pretty good bit right absolutely yeah, everybody's sleep requirements a little bit different you know you teenagers say oh well you know on saturday they sleep through until noon every day well the average teenager needs anywhere from eight up to ten hours of sleep and of course our kids nowadays are so busy with all sorts of you know, on the internet talking to their friends reading books if you were a dweeb like i was when i was growing up they still need you know upwards of 10 hours of sleep sometimes and as i said it's different for everybody and teenagers tend to kind of have an off-cycle circadian rhythm. <laughs> so, you know, when you were a teenager in in college or if you have teenagers now in your house, uh, they don't like to go to bed till late. They sleep later. Um, and that is totally normal. So that's just not just a teenager being a teenager. They they really can't help it. They're, everybody's circadian rhythm tends to get a little off when you're a teenager and in, like, early college years. Um, so that's pretty normal. Um, and it's okay to let your teenager sleep in on the weekends and or to let them stay up because that's kind of how their body is programmed at that age. But in general, if you can, trying to get them, like he said, 8 to 10 hours, at least during the week, so that they can catch up on the weekends if they need to. You really can't catch up on sleep, but mm-hmm. um, but that's just kind of a term we use to let them get more rest on the weekend. Yeah, It's less catching up on sleep and more getting the amount of sleep you're supposed to get in the time where you can actually get it. Right. Looks like we have a caller, so we'll go to Bill. He's in Macomb. Thanks for calling, Bill. Hello. Hey, what's going on today? Okay, I was just wanting to tell you I never did sleep my whole life. And when I started doing, like the doctor said, diet and exercise, mm-hmm. I exercise using the phone or computer is not exercise. That's you right. Get out and walk or do a little something, and you will sleep. Yes. It's great now. Yeah. It took me 60 years to learn how, but I did it. Yes. Thank you so much, Bill. You are so right. Exercise plays a huge factor into you getting a good night's sleep at night. Um, So that you're exactly right. Thank you. Thank you for your call. And he mentioned a good point. You know, he also said diet and definitely diet plays a role, too, in getting a good night's sleep. Because if you have a lot of caffeine, um, there are certain foods sometimes that may cause upset stomach and irritation that could keep you up at night. Uh, But definitely diet. And we know that exercise also, too. If you exercise during the day, that will help you get a better sleep at night. So thank you for your call. So um, we know how much sleep we can get uh, that we need, but 
it's hard for a lot of people uh, to get that amount of sleep. So what are some of the things? Bill kind of started this discussion. So Dr. Skelton, tell us a little bit about what you tell your patients and how to get settled for bedtime. For sure. Sleeping problems are, as Bill pointed out, awfully common. You know, you are not alone if you're someone who can't sleep very well. It's up to a quarter of kids and adolescents have trouble getting to and staying asleep at night. Um, So a lot of the problems we have with sleep are what we call behavioral. It's more that, you know, you think you'd be good at sleep if you made it to your teenage years. But most of us are actually really bad at trying to get sleep. You know, especially nowadays, you're looking at your phone at night. Some of us who work late, guilty, have our cup of coffee at 6 o'clock in the evening. We come home a little bit wired trying to get to sleep. So it has a lot to do with not so much how you sleep, but how you get ready to sleep. So most of us don't create a very good environment for sleep. You know, they leave the TV on, they leave the lights on, or they've been reading, scrolling through Facebook or something in the middle of the night right before they go to bed. And that's a concept that I have to teach most of my adult patients who are a little more stubborn, but also my teens who and their parents who come in complaining that they don't sleep well. Uh, it's a concept called sleep hygiene, which you, it's not just taking your shower before the bed and washing your hands. It's actually, again, the environment that you create for yourself to sleep. So the recommendation is about half an hour to almost an hour before bed, you should do more things to wind you down. You shouldn't be scrolling through your phone. You shouldn't really be watching TV. You should really use your bedroom for one thing, sleeping. So read a not particularly interesting book, you know, read a biography about somebody you're kind of interested in, but just enough where you read a few pages and think, oh, well, I'm done. You know, keep the lights down low. Don't have any extra noises. A lot of people need some white noise to sleep through the night, and I'm one of those. Fortunately, my air conditioner is a little rattly and a little bit loud. Um, But again, it's all about the environment you create for yourself to sleep. If you are managing to create that quiet time, half an hour to 45 minutes before you go to bed to kind of prepare your brain to wind down to sleep, you'll find that you get to sleep easier, you sleep better through the night, and what sleep you do get does feel more restful. Yeah. We're talking today about the importance of sleep and how to get a good night's sleep and maybe how to address some of those hurdles to getting a good night's sleep. So we'd love to hear any comments and questions. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 So Dr. Skelton is so correct. Sleep hygiene is the number one thing. Um, if you talk to a sleep doctor, that is going to be the first thing that they ask you is tell me about your bedtime routine. Um, we, we try not to do any medicines to help people sleep because a lot of times just behavioral modification can make a huge difference. Um, sometimes it doesn't always work, and some people do end up needing medications. But a lot of the time, majority of the time, I would say, if we just are very self-conscious about our sleep hygiene rituals, you can help insomnia. Um, so definitely trying to, I think one of the biggest things that our society has a problem with, like Dr. Skelton said, is tablets and TVs. You know, uh, we were actually talking before we came in here, one of the, the big things now is the blue light. So tell us a little bit about, you know, that whole thing with the blue light and why that's getting so much attention these days. Yeah, so your tablet and your phone actually emits a lot of different wavelengths of light. And forgive me if I digress into physics. 
I'm a lifelong uh, unreformed physics nerd. But it releases a lot of different wavelengths of light, and one of them is blue light. And blue light is closer to the wavelengths that the sun emits. And so basically your tablets and your TVs are all designed to imitate the sun. And so it tricks your brain into thinking, oh, well, the sun's out. There's no reason that I should be awake right now. And, of course, you put your tablet right up to your face if you're like me and you have glasses and terrible vision almost literally touching your face. So that level of blue light actually causes problems in the secretion of a hormone in the way back of your brain called melatonin. And you may recognize that um, particular name because you can buy it over the counter. And so this blue light causes you to drop your levels of melatonin, which is a natural sleep hormone. And it basically just stretches out your what your brain thinks is the day and it throws off your circadian rhythm, which is basically your internal clock. Yeah, yeah. So it is very important to stress to your children and to yourself because I know we are all guilty of it. Um, but trying to turn the lights off and trying to set a... Um, Get your body ready by turning off your TVs, turning off your tablets. If you're going to read, read in your den before you get in your bed, um, because that is a huge factor into getting to bed at night. There are also, we were, uh, I've been seeing so many advertisements and things for these blue light glasses out there. I don't know if any of y'all have experience with it. If you do, give us a call and let us know how they're working. I don't know a ton of evidence out there that these are actually beneficial, um, but there are some devices out there now that can help block the blue light uh, supposedly so that theoretically you won't have that effect of them I would still suggest not (laughs) relying on those Um, like I said I'm not sure how effective they are I hadn't seen a lot of studies or anything out there about them Um, but the best thing would be just to put them away before you go to bed at night Mm -hmm. we've got a couple of callers so we'll go next to Scott in Jackson thanks for calling Thank you. I have a do work at night, and I have to be one of the ones that work at night. But sleep is just a thing to give us a daytime sleep. And it's kind of hard to go to sleep sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. That's that's a really tough situation. And um, I've been there, Scott, too, because in residency, we have to do a bunch of different rotations. And some will require us to be on nights for a week or two at a time. And then we have to switch back to the daytime. And it that is a very hard thing to do. I, I understand. Um, one thing, uh, melatonin sometimes does help with that because melatonin is one thing that when the sun goes down, our body naturally produces to get us ready for sleep. And so if you're having to go to bed during the daytime your body obviously is not going to make a lot of that melatonin. So sometimes that medication will help. Like Dr. Skelton said, it's a natural um, hormone that our body makes that they formulated in that over-the-counter. So you can get that as a supplement over-the-counter. It's very safe. It doesn't always work for everybody. So sometimes you just have to talk to your doctor because, you know, those situations are, I have several patients that have to flip for their work schedule and they do end up having to be on some medicines to help them sleep during the day. Cause sometimes it's just really hard, especially if you're having to change your schedule so often, but I, okay, melatonin may be something easy and safe and natural that you could try and see if that helped. Hey, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for your call. We'll go next to John. Thanks for calling, John. Hey, uh, I had a couple of things for you guys about sleep schedule, sleep hygiene, and uh, the lights of these displays. I use an iPhone, and there's a thing called night shift that you can set to your time. 
And I don't know if it changes the uh, display of the liquid crystal, but it changes to a deep orange color instead of the bright blue color. And uh, I have that set to about 8 o'clock. And I think it's funny. Uh, you try to lay down about 9 o'clock, and when that screen turns to orange, even if I'm on the couch and I kick my feet up and I'm going through my phone, it kind of it makes me doze off a bit. Huh. I've gotten into such a sleep schedule that... Uh, when I lay down, I do turn on my alarms on my phone and check messages and emails and stuff like that. But uh, part of the routine is the shower and the lay down and check all that. But just that color alone, actually, I mean, it helps significantly not have that blaring blue light in your house. That's right. I actually do that myself on my iPhone. I think it set it to about 9 o'clock. Yeah, it does make a big difference. You can see when it switches over right as the clock switches over. And you're like, oh, man, I did feel like I was staring into the heat of the sun. Huh. Yep. I didn't know that was an option. And Jay was just saying that you can actually do that on your computers, too. Windows has an option where you can change it on your computer. Well, I've changed everything on the computer to uh, you can set your own display colors. And I just changed them all to a darker color because that really bright white blue color, it just hurts my eyes so bad to stare into a phone or stare into a computer like that all day. Yeah. But um, that's all I had to say. I just want to say something about the, the sleep rhythm, that that really does those small, minute changes um, in your behavior. It, it contributes a lot to, to how well you sleep and when you fall asleep. Yes. Yeah, your body likes a routine. So if you can if you can set what I always tell parents, it's so important for kids like a schedule, kids like a routine. But we as adults like that as well. Our bodies get used to that and they do crave that routine. So like you said, if you can get into that rhythm, it really does help with your sleep. Thank you. all. You have a great life. Yeah. Thank you so much, John. Well, that was very interesting. You're going to have to show me how to do that because I didn't know that was an option on your phone. So. Yeah, I'll show it to you after the show. That's awesome. All right, we'll go next to Teresa. Thanks for calling, Teresa. Hi. Uh, um, actually, I was going to talk about changing the color on the computer because that's what I've done on all my devices uh, to the point that I don't see the blue light anymore because I just feel like it's not, uh, there's no reason for me to do it. I mean, it's prettier, the colors are, are better, <laughs> but, but that's not a good reason. And I also do have the blue light filter on my, on my glasses. Uh-huh. Um, I read about it a lot and felt like, well, what would it hurt? Right. And it, it actually makes your glasses prettier, too. But <laughs> <laughs> have you noticed any difference with the glasses? Uh, well, like I said, I, I, around the same time that I got the glasses, um, I also changed the colors, so I can't really say that it's made a difference or not, but I'm going to err you know, to the side of more help. So um, I went ahead and got them. I mean, it really wasn't, I mean, you get a coating in the glasses anyway, so it really wasn't that much more. Right. Um, it's kind of odd because when I lay my glasses down, I can't see to find them, but I look for the blue. <laughs> I can't. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can find them. But, yeah, I, I have found that since I changed um, the color on my display, that it's, my eyes are not as tired as they used to be when I would uh, look at the computer for a real long time. Uh, you, you, your eyes get really tired, and that the lighter color, well, they, they call that like an amber color. Mm-hmm. I don't have that problem as much. So I don't know if it's, it's the fact that it changed the color, if I am wearing the, um, the blue tint on my glasses but you know i just i'd rather air to um do the best for me (laughs) yeah no definitely definitely well thank you so much for your call today sure thank you thanks 
yeah, I am technologically challenged. <laughs> I know how to do the basics on a phone. So I had no idea that was even an option that you could set that to change the to change the light. So that's awesome. Thank you so much, everybody, for the tips. We'd love to hear from you and share some of your tips that you found that are helpful to help you sleep or maybe your kids as well. Give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And we'll be back after the break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Today we're talking about sleep. Sleep is one of the most important aspects of your health, and most of us do not get enough of it. So we're talking today about um, some different hurdles that you may face to get a good night's sleep in our kids and teens and adults. We have Dr. Thomas Skelton on with us. He is a MedPeds physician as well at UMC, and he's helping us with these discussions. We'd love to hear any comments and questions, so give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one 672 7464 Or you can always send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. So we kind of briefly got into the melatonin and we, we talked about it. Um, but tell us a little bit more about melatonin uh, real fast because I feel like we get asked about melatonin all the time and um, how it works and can is it safe to take with other medications and um, who is it safe for? Is it safe for our kids? Is it safe for our elderly patients? So tell us a little bit about melatonin real fast. Sure. Like I mentioned before, melatonin is a hormone that your brain produces. It comes out of the pineal gland, which is an itty-bitty part of the very back middle of your brain. And it's partially responsible for the circadian rhythm or your sleep cycle. Uh, melatonin is technically not marketed as a drug in the United States. It's considered a nutritional supplement which means it falls under a different set of regulations than prescription medicines like blood pressure, blood sugar medicine. And so you do have to be careful when you're picking a brand of melatonin to get it from somewhere reputable. Because again, there's really not much in the way of quality control. They'll market, you know, one brand will market it as five milligrams of melatonin, but it actually doesn't contain quite as much pure melatonin as somebody else who says, oh, this is three milligrams, but you end up getting the same effect from it. But it's a fairly safe medicine. It's a natural hormone produced in your brain that kind of lulls you to sleep as the lights go out. It doesn't interact much with other medications. Uh, so you can take it with your blood pressure medicine, your blood sugar medicine, and, of course, the infamous blood thinners, which always seem to interact with everything. If you're somebody who's been on Coumadin, more for your older folks, then you'll understand what I'm talking about. But um, everybody's dose of melatonin is a little bit different. And again, it all depends on the brand that you get. 
But we always tell people to kind of start low, see how it does for a few days. And if you need to try more, then you can go up on it. It's one of those things you really should discuss with your doctor first because while it's safe, it does have uh, some side effects, the most common one being, of course, sleepiness. But sleepiness passed when you want to wake up in the morning because you're basically fooling your brain into wanting more sleep than it actually needs. So if you needed to sleep for five hours because you've got, oh, I don't know, a 6 a.m. shift in the ICU the next morning, <laughs> um, you should probably be careful with your dose because you may be until 9 o'clock in your third cup of coffee before you finally wake up. Well, I have a question from yeah. the booth. How you doing? Good. Producer here at MPB. For the doctor, I um, Dr. Buttress, maybe a year ago, over almost two years now, told me about melatonin because um, I do a lot. I'm in grad school. I work full-time, interning, and that just keeps my mind going all the, the time. And I have a 16-year-old. <laughs> God bless you. So I uh, take melatonin, and Jay and I were just talking about that. So I'm... Taking melatonin, I've been taking it for a while. You're right about the vast majority of melatonins you can choose, and I get confused. I go to Walgreens or different stores, and I choose different brands. My question was, can you can your body get immune to them? Because now I'm taking the 10 milligrams, and I'm still waking up. Sometimes I take two. That's a lot, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what's too much, what's not enough. They have the extra strength melatonin and I was scared to buy it I bought it because I'm like I need to stay asleep I told uh, about the melatonin chews gummies last night and I chewed one I woke up at four o'clock and I'm just laying in the bed with my eyes open I need something that's going to carry me until my alarm goes off and I guess again I'm doing so much my mind is racing what do I need to do so melatonin is um that's a great question michelle thanks so much so melatonin um helps you get ready for sleep but for those people that have trouble staying asleep sometimes melatonin is not the best option for them so we we tend to think of melatonin more for to help you fall asleep so these people that have trouble getting ready to, for bed and getting ready to fall asleep melatonin doesn't always help those people that have the in type of insomnia that they wake up throughout the night um i feel feel like I've had several patients tell me that. So you're not alone with that. Um, so those kind of situations are a little bit tougher. Going up on the melatonin dose doesn't necessarily always help. Um, I've, I've read some different things that usually after 10 milligrams, you don't get that much benefit from melatonin. Um, so once you hit that 10 milligram mark, I don't I don't know that necessarily increasing your dose is going to get you to where you want to be. Um, so the I would suggest talking to somebody, uh, maybe a sleep doctor or an internist, because it may be that uh, there's some, maybe some behavioral things that they can help you with, some modifications that you could do to help you sleep through the night a little bit better, or it may be that you need a different medica- an actual prescription medication. Because and I was trying not to go there, yeah. and Java and I were talking a couple of weeks ago about uh, going to those sleep um, testing, research things. I mean, you don't even have time in your day to do what you have to do, right. let alone go get tested and uh, sleep overnight at a hospital. I would like to do that maybe after I graduate. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, right now, it's just I would like to sleep all night yeah. and have a restful sleep because I know what you're saying. Sleeping and restful sleep are two different two things. Two different things. And I don't think it's been years since I've had a 
restful sleep. Mm -hmm. uh, I know some apps help. We were yeah. talking about the um, thunderstorms. I pulled one up in here while yes. you guys were talking. And I'm like, with that, because I love thunderstorms. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that may help. Yes. I, I have personally found that I have to sleep with a sound machine because I am such a light sleeper that any little noise can wake me up. So if I have that background white noise, um, I tend to tend to sleep a little bit better just because you're not so in tune to everything that's around you. Um, so I think a sound machine definitely helps. Now, you don't necessarily have to get on medications. You They do. So there's cognitive behavioral therapy right. that we use a lot for patients with anxiety and depression, um, where you go and you talk to a trained therapist that can help you, you know, do some of the cognitive parts where you just talk, but they also do some behavioral modifications. And so you can actually do that for sleep and insomnia as well. And that's my... Um that's what I'm going to school for, clinical mental health okay. counseling. That's okay. why I'm laughing. I'm like, yeah, the things that I'm learning about in school and about to graduate in December, I need to use on myself. Yeah, you got to. <laughs> maybe it'll help. I know. We're the we're our own worst. Exactly. <laughs> Patients. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Thank you for the um, help and the, um, so I don't need to go up to like, 30 milligrams. Yeah, I, you know, from everything I've read, after about 10 milligrams, you don't really get much benefit okay. after that for melatonin. Okay. Well, I won't increase it, but I might take two gummy um, gummy bears tonight, yeah. um, melatonin gummy bears, <laughs> yeah. see how that works. Yeah, definitely. Well, it definitely helps you get ready for bed, but yes. it may not help those people that get up in the night. Exactly. It helps you go to sleep, but it doesn't help you stay asleep. No, no. And you're not alone, Michelle. That That's my problem, too. I can fall asleep, but I can't stay asleep. Yeah. So. Well, thank you. Yeah. We're talking today about sleep. We've got Dr. Thomas Skelton on with us, and he's helping this discussion. And uh, we'd love to hear any comments or questions. We know lots of people suffer from this. We, we're all talking about our problems that we're having. So we'd love to hear maybe some remedies and things that you found that are helpful for you. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 Or you can send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Today we've been talking about sleep. Um, it is so important to our health. It's probably one of the most important aspects of our health, and not a lot of us get enough of it. So we're talking today about some of those hurdles that we face with getting a good night's sleep, um, some ways to, some different tips our viewers, have, our listeners have called in and have given us some great tips. Uh, we'd love to hear from you too. Give us some of uh, your tips that you found that are helpful for you and your kids, or maybe some struggles that you have, and we have some advice for you. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one 672 We'll go next to our caller, Justin. Thanks for calling, Justin. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, I heard you guys talking about sleeping, and that's something that my wife and I have kind of struggled with. We just have a hard time shutting our brains off in the evening like a lot of people. Um, 
and she tries melatonin and stuff like that. And you hear all these horror stories about prescriptions and the stronger medicines. So we just wanted to try some other stuff. And we ended up trying um, magnesium. Mm-hmm. And it just comes in a tube, and it's a powder, and you mix it with water, and it's like a lemonade flavor or something. But for me personally, and I know everybody's body chemistry is different, but, man, that stuff really knocks me out uh, to the point that sometimes I feel a little groggy groggy in the mornings when I wake up. Hmm. Um, but as a sleep aid, it has definitely helped for me. But because it's magnesium, though, you can't can't drink too much of it or right. it'll make mm-hmm. you go to the restroom. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, as a sleep aid, it's definitely helped for me. And you can just get it at, like, Whole Foods or something like that. But, yeah, that's all. All right. Well, thanks so much. I haven't heard magnesium. Um, I have a lot of patients that use magnesium for like muscle cramps, um, but I've never heard anybody using it for sleep. So that's interesting. Thanks for your it's call. It's in a tube and it, and it says calm real big on it. But yeah, okay. yeah of course. Yeah. Y'all have a good afternoon. Thanks. You too. Uh, I have a lot of people I know will use like lavender, like a lot of the teas and things will have lavender because lavender is a very soothing, um, natural thing. So I know there's lots of like sleepy teas out there that people will drink that have lavender in it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, for the most part, a lot of these natural remedies are pretty safe. It would be something I would suggest talking to your doctor about if you're on, you know, different medications just to make sure. But, um, for the most part, things like magnesium and lavender are are pretty safe and not going to have many interactions with things and if they if you find that they work for you definitely use them and if it's not going to cause any problems with any other medicines so thanks for that tip justin so speaking of sleeping through the night um it is a problem not just for our adults but a lot of times for our babies as well um so i feel like at our checkups that's one of my number one questions i get is how can i get my kid to sleep through the night (laughs) um because it is a it's a very frustrating thing. So when, um, Dr. Skelton, tell us a little bit about when would you expect an infant to start sleeping through the night? Sure. Yeah, as you said, that's a very common question. I have two older sisters, and they each have a boy and a girl. And I think the most common questions I get as the designated informal family pediatrician is, what is this rash and how do I get them to sleep? <laughs> so your normal average, quote unquote, infant should sleep through the night around six months of age. That's kind of with our in our script for the six-month-old checkup. But, of course, every baby's different because every person's different. And even up to half of infants six months old still wake up through the night. So it's a big problem, that's for sure. Um, so we say six months is kind of your cutoff. Um, really, around a year is where you'll start to see them sleeping through the night without having to wake themselves up. But it's a very difficult problem, and every baby's different. So some babies just need mama to come in and soothe them down and they'll go back to sleep and make up one or two times a night. My poor sister with her six, almost seven month old is (laughs) she's a nocturnal creature. She sleeps through the day and just keeps my sister up at night, which is tough for a working mom. But, um, it's difficult. It's a, a difficult question. And it all, a lot of it has to do with their physiology as little kids, nervous systems are still, growing, they're still making those connections in their brain and down their spinal cord and out to everything else. And they're really just immature. So their circadian rhythm is kind of off. Their wake cycle is fairly short and their sleep cycle is long. And it gets a little bit better as they age again for your average amount of sleep at night. But there's all sorts of things you can try. The thing we tell people not to do is try not to walk in there and stick the bottle in their mouth. 
because then you mix up feeding time where they're supposed to be awake and alert and controlling their head and drinking and getting their exercise for the day because really that's the only exercise a baby gets. Sometimes our first clue that something's going wrong is that they're having to take longer to feed or they're just not feeding very well. And so if you get up in the middle of the night and you stick the bottle in their mouth and they think, well, it's time to be awake, so I'll have my bottle and then I'll be awake. And if mom's not there, I might get upset and start crying. Obviously, it's a little different for your little teeny ones, your newborn babies, because they do need to wake up and eat because they just don't have the energy stores. But by the time they get to six months or a year, you really shouldn't use food as the way that you soothe them at night. Yeah, because we see that a lot. Um, If you're going to your checkups and you know your infant is growing, um, by six months of age, they normally don't need that bottle at night for nutrition purposes. Now, if your child is not growing or is not having lots of wet diapers during the day or anything like that, that's something you need to be talking to your pediatrician about um, and making sure they don't need extra bottles through the the night. But in general, most kids are not going to need bottles at night or to be breastfed at night starting after six months for nutrition purposes. And a lot of times um, when I talk to parents and they tell me that they go in and they give them the bottle and then they go right back to sleep and I'll say, well, how how big was the bottle? And, you know, uh, six ounces. Well, how much did they eat? Oh, only about an ounce because they go right back to sleep. And so we see that a lot because they don't need that nutrition. It's not because they're hungry. It becomes a soothing mechanism for them. And so uh, I, I see that a lot. I feel like more in our breastfed babies, but um, also we see it a lot in our bottle fed babies as well, that that nighttime feeding becomes more of a soothing mechanism than it actually is because they're hungry. And so that's one thing that I would suggest if your child is out there and they're waking up a lot through the night um, and you're feeding them. Now, there's some babies that will still finish their whole bottle. (laughs) And so, you know, that's can kind of be a more difficult situation. But for the most part, a lot of times the baby's not going to finish the bottle or they're not going to breastfeed as long as they normally do. And so you can tell that, hey, maybe they're really using this as like a soothing mechanism and a pacifier to get them back to bed. And if that's the case, what we need to do is we need to teach your baby how to self-soothe and how to put them back to bed. Um, so one of the things that I always talk to parents about is what is your bedtime routine to get them to sleep? Because a lot of times... You know, you have the same routine that you do with your kid. You bathe, you read the book, and then you go to bed, rock, however however your routine is. And so usually uh, you'll talk to parents and they do their routine. And a lot of times they'll wait till their child falls asleep in their arms and then put them in their bed, which is it's hard to break that because it is such a special time and we definitely want you to spend that time with your child but if your child's having a lot of trouble getting to sleep especially sleeping through the night it may be that you kind of need to change that routine up just a little bit so what i'll tell parents to do is still do your same routine still do bath time still do book time story time rock them do everything you normally would do get them really sleepy but just don't let them fall asleep So that that way, they're really tired, and when you lie them in the crib, they may cry for a little bit, but they're going to be so sleepy that soon they'll fall asleep. You may have to let them cry it out for a little bit, but it shouldn't usually take long if they're that sleepy if you've gotten them to that point. And then it it takes a while. Some learn it a little bit faster than others, but some usually within a week or so. I usually tell parents just get ready for about a one-week boot camp. 
And after about a week or so, the child will learn to self-soothe. So your goal is for them to be able to put themselves to sleep at night so that when they wake up in the middle of the night, they're able to put themselves back to sleep during the night. Because if they can't put themselves to sleep at the beginning of the night, it's hard for them to put themselves to sleep in the middle of the night. And um, babies are going to wake up throughout the night that we're, we can't always fix that. Um, as adults, we, as we've been talking, we wake up throughout the night. But they just need to learn that method to self-soothe and so that you don't have to go in there to soothe them to get them back to bed. So that's one of the things that I always try to tell parents to do is um, teach them how to self-soothe because that is one of the biggest things. Uh, some kids are thumb suckers. You know, that's one thing that they can kind of do on their own is soothe that way through the thumb sucking. Uh, we definitely don't want you putting a bottle in the bed with them. Um, there's there's lots of lots of problems with that, but especially as they get older and they're getting teeth, and we definitely don't want bottles in the bed because then you're at risk for getting all that sugar in their teeth and getting uh, cavities in the future. So, uh, But yeah, as Dr. Skelton said, most are should be sleeping through the night by six months, but not every baby does. So if your baby is not sleeping, you're not alone. It's okay. Talk to your pediatrician. They may have some tips. Those are just some tips that I've found that are pretty helpful. So hopefully that will help some of you all out there. We're talking today with Dr. Thomas Skelton about sleep and the importance of sleep and how to get a good night's sleep and um, some different tips out there that we have. And we'd love to hear from you. Give us, share some of your tips that you have that you found that help you and your kids sleep at night. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens and MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. We've got Dr. Thomas Skelton on with us. He is also a MedPeds physician at UMMC, and we've been talking today about sleep and how important sleep is and um, some of the different hurdles that we face uh, to getting a good night's sleep and maybe a few tips out there that can help you and your kids get a good night's rest. We've got a few minutes left, so we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 We'll go next to Carly. Thanks for calling today. Yeah, um, I just wanted to jump back to the kids real quick. My son, um, up until 10 months old, woke every single hour on the hour, and I couldn't figure out why, and the doctors couldn't really figure out why, and it turned out that his adenoids were enlarged. Mm. Yes. So it was causing sleep apnea. Yes, and he was only 10 months old? Yeah, so oh. he had to get his adenoids out. 
Yes. Yes, that's a that's a very good point. We usually don't see it that young. Um, so I'm sure that's that was probably really frustrating trying to get to that point. But we see that a lot um, in our toddlers and preschool kids um, because you really start noticing them snoring a lot. Was he a loud yeah. breather? He was, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so we see that a lot in our kids, especially as they get a little bit older and toddlers in preschool age. Um, but So that's very interesting, though, that he was only 10 months old. But I'm glad they figured out that that's what it was. Yeah, I just wanted to share, just in case there's any moms or dads out there kind of going crazy. I thought I was losing my mind. People kept telling me to just let them, like, learn how to self-soothe. And I tried that multiple times, but it was just the sleep apnea that was waking them up. Yes, yes. Well, that's a great point. Thank you so much for calling. Yeah, no problem. Have a good day. Thanks. So, yeah, so Carly brings up a great point, sleep apnea. So we... Uh, A lot of our listeners out there as adults may struggle from sleep apnea. We see that a lot, um, especially in it doesn't necessarily have to be overweight, but we see it more in our overweight population just from excess neck tissue um, blocking off that airway as you're breathing at night. But in kids, um, we don't see it as much related to that. Sometimes we'll see it in um, some of our kids that have maybe Down syndrome because sometimes they have some different other things that could be obstructing. Um, We also see it in patients that have some kind of cranial facial abnormalities, uh, small jaws and things like that can also cause some obstruction. But majority of the time in kids, it's going to be because they have big tonsils and adenoids. So everybody knows where their tonsils are in the back of your throat, but the adenoids are back there too. You can't really see them, Um, but it's it's similar to tonsillar tissue and they can also become enlarged. So tell us a little bit about what parents should look for um, for sleep apnea. Sure. So sleep apnea, like you said, is an increasingly common problem in the state of Mississippi, related a lot to the obesity epidemic, but little kids who are of normal weight can get it too. So sleep apnea is not snoring. Snoring is not equal to sleep apnea, and sleep apnea does not always equal snoring, but the two are related to each other. Snoring is just extra noise that you make because something's floppy up in your upper airway. Sleep apnea is when your that excess tissue blocks off the airway and then you're not able to take in that deep breath. So basically it blocks you and chokes you for a short period of time. And so things you should look for are if your child snores and then pauses in breathing for more than about, you know, five, ten seconds, and especially if they then wake themselves up with this great rip roaring snort, that's something you should be concerned for an apneic event or a for sleep apnea. And doing that once or twice a night is not concerning, but once you start doing that consistently and you wake up really fatigued and tired and have that terrible brain fog in the morning, that's when you should probably bring it up to your pediatrician of, hey, he snores and he doesn't seem to sleep well. Do you think he might need a sleep study? Yeah. And a lot of times in our kids, we just go in and refer them to the ENT doctors just to evaluate those tonsils and adenoids. And most of the time, getting your tonsils and adenoids removed does the trick. Not always, but a lot of times it does. We've got a few more minutes. We'll go to our last caller, Johnny. Thanks for calling. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Doing good, thank you. Hey, I've got a couple of uh, tips. I'm a truck driver, and uh, I myself have a problem because the time zone. I'm from California, and uh, the time change and all that. And on top of that, I do have you know a little bit of anxiety sleeping. So the what works best for me is no distraction at all. Mm-hmm. In other words, my phone, everything, you know, from my sleeper, I put it in the front. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, do we have a TV in there? I turn that off. And same thing works at home. In your room, you should not have anything. Even though your cell phone, everything should be outside. And if you have no distraction, no TV, no phones, nothing, and it's dark, you're going to fall asleep faster. That worked for me. And with the kids, I raised six kids. And what worked for me, you know, given the fact that they're healthy, you know, just have a routine during the day. Feed them as much as you need to feed them, normal feeding. And then after 5, 6 o'clock, just leave them alone. What time their bedtime is, you know, let them go to sleep. And if they cry at night, you know, yeah, make sure that they're okay. And once you know that they're okay and that there's no problem, you know, just let them cry and then go back to sleep. That's what worked for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Johnny, you but bring if you give them the attention, they're going to cry. They're looking for the attention. If they're not hungry, the diaper is not dirty, you know, they don't, they don't have any medical problems, you know, of course that's normal. They're going to cry. Right, right. Yeah, Johnny, you bring up a great point, um, and we can't stress that enough, that sleep hygiene is the most important thing with trying to get a good night's sleep. So in order to be able to fall asleep, sleep hygiene is so important. So cutting off those tablets, cutting off the TVs, exactly like you said, um, and just try not to have any of those distractions in the room either. Um, So, yes, thank you so much for that call. We appreciate that. Thank you so much. You have a great topic. God bless you. Thank you. Have a good day. So, yeah, we've had some great discussions on sleep. Um, thank you, Dr. Skelton, for being here. I hope that uh, some of the tips that we have given you and that some of the callers have called in, we appreciate the calls um, for those tips, that maybe this will help you in the future because sleep is so important. Um, and if you are if you are out there and you have high blood pressure and you have heart problems or um, really anything, especially our kids with like ADHD and different behavioral problems, um, sleep is so important uh, because we know that not getting a good night's sleep can make all of those problems worse, Um, especially behavioral problems, high blood pressure, heart problems, but just in general, you know, Um, and it's also good for your mood too. So thank you so much. Any last words, Dr. Skelton? I appreciate you having me on, and it was a pleasure to talk to the great people of Mississippi. Well, this has been Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and Think Radio, and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from listeners like you. Today's show was engineered by Jay White. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod. Join us next Thursday at 11 for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. And stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio. This is MVB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission.